Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. See, I love this church. Oh, my word, you guys. Y'all, this is, why don't you, can you mass produce, Waken? <laughs> Boy, if we could, we'd do it. Mass producers, get out there and tell everybody what's happening. Amen? Amen. Hey, uh, uh, some of you might know me from the past. Uh, uh, you might know that my wife left me for another man recently and really broke my heart because um, he didn't ask me if he could take her, but I got his name and where he lives. His name is Jesus. And he took her to his place, and uh, she got there, threw his arms around him and said, Dave who? <laughs> That's how important I was. 54 years with the greatest woman in my entire life. Not bad, huh? I was 16 when I met her, 16 when I asked her to marry me, and 16 when she slapped me. I was 16 when her dad, Mr. Smith and Wesson, said, uh, hands off. And, uh, but she was 13 when she told me I was, had to wait. And I was a typical boy. I was possessed with the urge to merge, and she was not. And her dad had a way of cooling your jets. And so we waited, and when we got married, we were both virgin. You can clap. That's pretty good. And the reason I'm telling you that, because that's really kind of private, not nowadays. You know, nothing's private nowadays. But when I tell you that in public schools, I get standing ovations, especially from the girls. Now, the boys... Sometimes they salute in a peculiar way, but <laughs> but as a result of my wife's passing, I became very lonely, as you can imagine. And uh, one of my friends bought me a, a dog, and I said, "Last thing I need in life is a dog because I travel all the time, you know." But he said, "No, you need this dog, and you need somebody." So I ended up with a little dog that was born when my wife died. So thirty. Uh, three months later, 90 days later, a dog was delivered, and he's a Cavalier, King Charles Spaniel, and I want you to meet my little Benny. Would you help me bring him up? It's my little buddy. <laughs> hey, what do you think, buddy? Now, he's, he's well-trained. I got where uh, I, I chase squirrels now, and uh, he's trained me to potty outside, and, so he, he and I are getting along really good. Uh, I'm afraid to unleash him and let him do a lot of tricks because it's so distracting. I'm afraid he'd take off and then would never have church. But Benny is named Benny Lewis after my wife's nickname, Benny Lou. Her name was Brenda Louise and her dad called her Benny Lou. And uh, he was a gift to me. And I found out something about my little Benny here that he'll, uh, he'll come up and he'll sit between my feet and just sit there. And when he gets sleepy, he'll lay down, but he has to make sure his paw is on top of my foot. He does not want me to move without him moving. He wants to know that I'm in touch. There he is. He, I mean, the little guy is just amazing. And the Lord spoke to me the other morning as I was doing my Bible study, and the little guy was, he's just, <laughs> I, I want to pick him up and love on him a little bit, but it's, my lucky it'd pee all over everything right here in church. But the Lord just showed me, he said, if you would sit at my feet and touch me. Wow. Wow. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and just stay in touch at all times. He can't move without us knowing it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for doing that. Would you help me with my sale? Here, I'll hold the dog. She is my wonderful Vanna White. She's just a whole lot prettier than Vanna, I'll tell you that. I know how to kiss up. I ain't dead yet. 
We have a shirt for girls. It's called Operation Warrior Reconnect with your sizes and shapes, ladies. And Operation Warrior Reconnect is very important to advertise because we reconnect our warriors' families to their family, friends, and faith. And we are faith-based. I do not accept any government grants. And I'm not for sale for 30 pieces of silver. So... All these materials, I do not take any royalties and never have, never will. Every penny goes directly to our Warrior Scholarship Fund because they've already given an arm and a leg, and I'm not going to ask them to pay to come to my program. And the government thanks me for that. Thank you for letting me do that. And then we have the shirt in the men's sizes, which really get big. <laughs> See, I don't say that about girl sizes. <laughs> I'd really look, woof. Uh, we won't go there. And we also have it uh, for the more special forces oriented. And this is the theme of the Green Beret. And on the back is embedded in their actual theme in English. Embedded in that knife is the numbers 418. Tim Tebow in the championship game of his life embedded under each eye 316. It was Googled 90 million times. We Googled into this 418 so that somebody standing in Walmart can Google it one time. <laughs> Not 90 million, but at least it'll lead them to that Jesus came to free the oppressed. And that's why we have this shirt. I think it's a great shirt. Those are available. Real quickly, we have a bracelet with, we try to average about 22 beads per bracelet. And here's why. It's called Catch 22 today, possibly more today and even more tomorrow but at least 22 every day of our wonderful veterans, our national treasures, commit suicide. 22 a day. We're out to catch them, and we're doing a pretty good job with the ones we can get to, and it's because they are worth whatever it takes. They've given so much and got so little in return. These bracelets are made of lava rock, and with it, we don't have it up here, but with it is a bottle of orange oil, and the essence of orange oil uh, was proven by the university that is listed on the back. The whole study is on the back. And it shows how the orange of oil, essence of oil, calms post-traumatic stress. You know, my wife liked peppermint. <laughs> it made my eyes water and I sneezed a lot, but <laughs> she liked it. Now, it's not snake oil, and, and there's no guarantees. But here's what, if, if it works, it's worth the investment. Yeah. If nothing else you got a beaded bracelet to remind you to pray for 22 a day. These are available back there. And then really quickly, four books. One is called War and Recovery, which is list, it's a great book of war stories that we take them from the battlefield to the mission field. Every story is embedded with scripture after scripture that you'll love reading it, almost like a devotional. Another book called Scarred, which is autobiography. I am employed by the Department of Defense as a contractor. And I have been since 03. And uh, I'm a what's called a resiliency trainer in the Comprehensive Soldier Fitness Program. And if you're in active duty, you've already heard of that. And uh, I've been doing that for years. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity that the military has given me through DOD to all branches to train in resiliency and suicide prevention. And I thank God because they do not restrict my religious speech. I tell them Jesus is still the answer in my life. And that's worth it. Thank you. And then, and a book I ju they just threw in for me. It's a, it's a compilation of stories from the public schools I speak in. And in the light of what happened this last week in a little town called Uvalde, which is 17 miles from my Texas ranch where we restore our warriors, that little school has gone through living hell. 19 students, just little elementary kids, murdered, and two teachers last week. That's, they've called me to come to that community and speak in the school. So I'm going. And one of the, re one of the reasons I go, that book will help pay the way because it is a scholarship that uh, I'm going to use scholarship funds to do it. And that book will touch your life. Oh, Lord, you will not believe what you'll read in that book of the, of the experiences I've had with kids in public schools called Nobody's Ever Cried for Me. And then lastly, a book called Attacked at Home. That is by one of my trainees that is literally replacing me 
as my sunset is obviously on the horizon. His sunrise is on the opposite horizon. He is a captain with a green beret. He was shot through the vocal cords, through the jugular vein, and the bullet lodged in his right shoulder, which paralyzed his arm. His name is Captain John Arroyo, A-R-R-O-I-O. You can look it up online. He wasn't shot in Afghanistan. It wasn't Iraq. He survived the mass murder at Fort Hood. And his story is mind-blowing, and it's available to you today there. And then I forgot we have Scars and Stripes from a little missions work church of 33,000 folks in Fort Worth called Gateway Church and Robert Morris, who's my dear, dear friend. And they put together my story on a DVD if you have that by your eight-track player. <laughs> Nothing like getting old. Thank you, sweetheart. And Benny, I'll see you later, big boy. Thanks for letting me mention. And folks, please understand something. I'm not here to sell you something. It, I, I took a long time with all that. We're not going to, you know, I don't care if you buy something or not. It's not all about buying. It's about ministry, but it, more than anything else, a warrior gave an arm and a leg. I'm just not going to ask him to pay, and that's how I cover it. And I just came last week from a lodge in Colorado, packed full of couples that have just gone through separation and looking toward divorce. And without exception, every couple renewed their vows and let Christ heal their marriage. Every one of them. I'm ecstatic. Thank you, Lord. And a lady came up to me. I was sitting right there, and she walked up. And I don't know if she's in this service or not. And she handed me a note, and she said, I wonder, why me, Lord? Uh, I thought it was fabulous that she would take the moment to inscribe on this little piece of paper the question, why me? Uh, you look at me, you, those of you that have known me for years know that I didn't have a nose five years ago, a little over five years ago. My nose, everything not covered was blown off my head or it turned to charcoal and was cracked and broken off. Everything. I'm not exaggerating. Blew my hair off, got my hair back. I bought it. <laughs> There's a bald guy in Wuhan, China. Something good came out of there after all. And it blew my ear off. How's that for it? You can't do that. I can tell you what, I can take my ear off and I'm going to stick it under this table. I'm going to listen to what y'all say about me when I'm gone. <laughs> now that right there is funny. I don't care who you are. But it blew my hair off. And I, I, for years, I traveled with Dr. Bitter Graham, and we shared board members for 20 years. My life, my whole ministry has been in a huge way, more than any other influence with Dr. Graham. And in all the years we traveled through here and in what was called Mission England in Europe, I grew to understand leadership and quality as opposed to quantity, although he had both. But I was in Jamaica one night preaching with 10,000 Jamaicans. And when everybody does the same thing at the same time, something ain't right. And this is what happened. <gasps> About 10,000 people. And they're pointing at me. I checked my fly. Man's got to do what a man's got to do, right? My fly was fine. I look around. And now the corner of my eye, I see it, my ear was laying on my shoulder. You cannot ignore it because they're not breathing. And you're about to have Jonestown without the grape Kool-Aid. I grabbed my ear, dried the sweat, stuck it back on. They thought it was a miracle and they all got saved. And that is a truth. I couldn't tell them, oh, no, 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 it's a phony ear. They would have thought I was a phony preacher. They would have stoned me. I couldn't come here and tell you I went to Jamaica and I got stoned. <laughs> That just doesn't sound right, does it? Oh, we're just getting started. We're going to have some fun in the house of God today. Look here. Here's what you're going to discover. I'm not a joker. I don't tell many jokes. I don't know many jokes. I really don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know how to tell a joke. But I'll find the funniest side of life because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I heal I heal more when I'm laughing than at any other time. And, you know, I kind of feel like I laugh my way out of hell, and I'm going to laugh my way through those swinging pearly gates because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm, over, I'm just overdosing today. 
And it's okay to have fun in the house of God. Because for decades, children were taught to believe, go to the house of God, it's like going to a funeral. I don't go to a dead place. I go to a living place where the Son of God is alive and well in the house today. Amen. Awaken. Awaken. So I grew up in the house of God, folks. I, was, I mean, more literal than you think because the apartment was attached to the, the what they call the parsonage was attached to the church. One door you open up, you go in the bathroom. The next door beside you, you go in the sanctuary. Make sure you know which one you're going into. <laughs> no, no joke. But when I was born, my mom almost died and because uh, I... I the children sometimes get all the nutrients of mom and uh, it took everything. And she died many years later, curled up in a fetal position for decades. And I was raised by a Mexican nanny and her name was Maria Rubio. I learned how to roll my R's because my first language was Spanish. I was six years old when they told me that I was not a Mexican. <laughs> it broke my Hispanic heart. It really did. They said I cried for weeks. I went to school, cried because all my friends were Mexican. I didn't, I didn't know how, I didn't know anything else. That's all I knew. And it was my first time to find out I wasn't what I thought I was. And I would come to know those moments in my life again and again. I call them 911s. 911. Can I read you a little scripture from 911? A lot of folks think it's 91, it's the 91st Psalm, first verse. No. This is Psalm 90, Psalm 90, pardon me, Psalm 9, 11. And I want you to read it. Well, if you have your iPhones, turn with me. <laughs> I waited all morning to do that. <laughs> Sometimes I just tickle myself to death. Here we go. Sing praises to the Lord. This is verse 11 of Psalm 90, Psalm 9. Sing, well, I tell you what, when I get it in my head, I can't unget it. <laughs> Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me. Now, it's really the old English that kind of messes with me. Now, that's what I grew up with. So I, I, I kind of like King James Version. But I love to read from the Message Bible. That one messes with the devil because we figured it out and he didn't think we could. Sing your songs to a Zion-dwelling God. Tell his stories to everyone you meet, how he tracks down killers, yet he keeps his eye on us and registers every whimper and moan. Be kind to me, God. I've been kicked around long enough. Man, I thought that was perfect because that's what 9-11 is, just getting kicked around. You feel like you've been kicked around with COVID, been kicked around with things that you didn't start that somebody else didn't, you had to finish. Get kicked around with loss of job or personal health or there's a thousand ways to get kicked around but there's only one way to get drop kicked through the goalpost of life and that is when the spirit of God takes your tragedy and turns it into a triumph and he does it every day of my life and your life so this lady handed me this I wonder why me Lord why one day, any of you remember Trinity Broadcast Network with uh, Jan Crouch? Remember the woman with the blue hair that wanted you to trust her? <laughs> she was my best friend, and I, to this day, I miss that woman. I love her so much. And one day, I was on TBN, and she said, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing good. But I said, I, I, I struggle with some things in my life about my injury, and uh, you were saying earlier that, you, you know, being blown away, I told, <laughs> I said, we don't use that term. <laughs> and we don't say, well done. Now, when you're burned, you don't want to be well done. <laughs> Come on, Jesus, just let me be medium well, but get me in there anyway. But <laughs> I thought that was funny. I, she said, how you doing? I said, fine. I said, but. Uh, you know, I struggled with suicide for years, and I really did. I, in fact, 
I tried to take my life one time. Actually, the attempt failed, and I'll explain that shortly. But she said, well, what, what do you struggle with most? I said, I know what happened. I know when it happened. I know where it happened. And I know why the event happened. But what I don't know is, why didn't he stop that little 7.62 bullet out of the muzzle of an AK-47 with an ounce of trigger pressure by a little stinking communist who got a medal, and I did too. He got one on his chest. They're still trying to dig mine out of my head. And I said, why didn't he stop that? If he could put the moon in space, why didn't he stop that little bullet? And she looked at me and she said, well, you know why God lets you be scarred, maimed, and burned, don't you? And I thought, no, but this blue-haired wonder is about to explain it all to me. <laughs> I was so mad at her. Tell me, you know why? I said, no, ma'am, I don't guess I know why. Listen to what the blue-haired woman said. Davy, Jesus didn't do that to you. He didn't shoot you that day. He didn't set you on fire with that phosphorus grenade exploding inches from your face. Jesus doesn't do evil. But he didn't stop it because, and the fulcrum of my life was hanging on one word, because. Because she said, he knew he could trust you with the scars. What's he trusted you with? And you're shaking your fist at him and saying, why me, God? Well, don't ask him. What if he told you? What if he told you why? You see, I figured it out that day. The highest compliment I've ever been given was that he trusted me with something that was painful and he believed that I wouldn't shake my fist in his face and scream, why me? Did I make any sense? Because that day, my life changed. Right there on public television, my life changed. I've never again asked him why about anything. And the hardest lesson I ever learned that day was put to the hardest test I've ever been tested when I lost my sweetheart. Now, the Lord told me, suck it up, buttercup. When you made your vows, you knew it ended in death. <laughs> and my wife several times told people we never, ever uttered the D word, divorce. Never ended our conversation. Murder? Yeah, frequently. <laughs> oh, that woman. Ooh. She learned from her daddy named Mr. Smith N. Wesson. And I kid you not, there were times that she, she could have walked out on me because she never knew I was coming down that driveway. And you say, what? Yeah, because there's times when the 18-wheelers came down that driveway full of lighting for television programming or the television truck of $1.2 million coming down that driveway to be parked in that big equipment barn. She never knew what's coming down that driveway because I'm a man of vision and when God said do it, I did it. And I had no regrets. But boy, she she had to swallow hard. And when I built these two ranches, the first one, oh my. She said, Dave, have you lost what's left of your mind? She said, that's going to cost millions. I said, so? It didn't, millions meant nothing to me. The call of God meant more to me. And, and, and I can't, but she was an accountant. Don't marry an accountant. Those little bean counters will drive you nuts. But she was right. And she taught me that faith is as much faith to raise the money and have it before you buy as it is to buy and then have to raise the money to pay for it. It works both ways. So all that said, I fell in love with my little high school my actually my junior high school sweetheart and we got married just days after she graduated I was in Bible college and uh, I went to several colleges that sent me letters and uh, I went to one anyway <laughs> if you didn't catch that you got one of those letters too <laughs> I was in Bible college working at General Dynamics in Fort Worth Texas building the F-111 fighter bomber and I made more money than my college president I lost my desire to make good grades when I could make good money. And the problem is my grades dropped when my check went up and they dropped below the threshold 
of avoiding the draft, and I got a letter from a rich uncle. Told me, you go take a physical. I said, I feel fine. He said, take the physical. And I did. They said, has your trigger finger worked? I said, yes. They said, you passed your physical. <laughs> so I joined the Navy so I wouldn't get hurt in the Army. That's honest got you. I went out and joined the Navy so I wouldn't get hurt serving in the Army. You ever get up one morning and have a bad decade? Man, I joined the Navy. I was trained right down here. You know, all this running and, and kicking at seven-foot targets. I got to Vietnam. Everybody's four and a half feet tall. I hopped over. I missed. You, you'll figure it out. <laughs> they trained me in stuff I knew I'd never need until I got to Vietnam. And if I hadn't been trained right, I would never sustain the injury that I took. That morning on July the 26th, 1969, yes, young person. I know you're thinking right after the War of 1812. <laughs> I was that morning got up and because the Navy SEALs were, were housed with us, in the same, it was called Mobile Base 2, built out of the Philippines. It was on a barge. Actually, it was very nice. It was air-conditioned even. But we didn't get much time in the air-conditioned because we're on patrol all the time, as they say nowadays, outside the wire. And this, the SEALs and I, several SEALs and I, were in competition to keep our weight below 190 pounds and be in the peak of health, strong as an ox. So that morning, I weighed 190 pounds. I remember well. That evening, I weighed 130 pounds. 60 pounds of flesh was blown off me in seconds. It was a white phosphorus hand grenade. I was poised to throw. I was right in this exact position, not knowing there was a sniper across the river, and he put me in his crosshairs. Shooting at my head, he missed. He hit my hand. The bullet penetrated between my thumb and index finger. It detonated right here, and in one second, my world, my universe changed. That's how long it takes to have your life change. It's one second. And you don't know when that second will be. You see, destination is where we're going. Destiny is how we go about getting there. And sometimes our destinies are altered. Sometimes we think that's where I'm going till we get to that corner and you look around and where you're going is there. But you didn't know that you were going there until you got to that intersection in life. And it's there you wanted to be, but you couldn't see it till you got to that moment. And that day in Vietnam... I went blind in my eye, deaf in my ears. I've described, I looked down, I could see my heart beating. I was pumping blood with every beat of my heart. I could see my heart pump and blood would shoot out of an open artery. These three fingers and thumb were hanging by tendon. Tendons, this is the only finger that was still attached. This thumb was blown off. They made that out of my hip. I don't suck my hip. <laughs> I do that to little kids. I don't suck your hip. They just look at me. And their parents say, what? I don't explain. I just leave them in confusion. <laughs> But they made that out of my hip because it was blown off completely. And I was, uh, I was hospitalized for one year and two months. And I had 13 surgeries in a year and two months at Brook Army Medical Center, San Antonio, Texas. To get there, here's what happened. When the grenade blew, I jumped off my boat in the water. I was supposed to have gone out and, you know, pass out in shock and then burned to death. Well, when I got in the water, it forced consciousness on me. I didn't pass out. It didn't put the fire out, but it washed some of that stuff off me because that stuff burns in water. And my skin was everywhere around me. I was beside myself. Oh, come on now. That's a good one. I needed to pull myself together. See, if you're in junior high, you just love it when I'm gross. I swam across that river to the other side and I crawled up on my knees and I looked at the damage and I fell over backwards. You see, when I kissed my wife goodbye at the airport to go to Vietnam, the last thing she said to me was, Davey, are you coming back? I'd already got about four or five steps away from her head toward the airplane. Proud of myself because I didn't cry. I had to be strong for a little junior high school sweetheart, little high school wife. I had to be strong. The problem was, when she said, Davy, that's the term of endearment. When she said, Davy, are you coming back? Before I could even stop, turn around, tears burst down my, out of my eyes. I turned around angry at myself. I said, what? Are you coming back? And in my flippant arrogance, I said, I'll be back without a scar. And when I said it, I felt a chill up my spine. 
I just made a promise I cannot keep. We'd already been told that we had the highest KIA per capita, but you can't prove it because our boats were made of fiberglass. And when they were hit by those B-40 anti-tank rockets, they just went up in white powder and the engines and all the metal went down with the bodies. And if they don't retrieve a body, even though they know you're dead, you're not KIA, you're MIA. I think it's like seven years or so. I don't know on that. So don't hold me accountable on that, however long it is. So whenever I said, I'll be back without a scar, I knew, I knew the odds. And I felt like I lied to her. And on the 26th of July, eight months later, when I looked down at my face was on my boots, I knew I broke a promise that I couldn't keep. I'm going to tell you, I didn't want to lose her. But right now, at that moment, I had a bigger problem. It's my life. Do I lose it or do I keep it? And a scripture went through my mind from my childhood when I was just a kid. It came out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that according to my earnest expectation and my hope, in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I couldn't lose I couldn't lose. If I die, I go to heaven. If I live, it's Christ. And what played again and again over my head. Two things that will blow your mind. One of them was to live as Christ, to live as Christ, to live as Christ. I think it was Jesus telling me, you're not going to die, Dave. You're gonna see, I'm going to see you through it. The other thing was, this, this is crazy as a loon. Walk like a man, fast as you can. Walk like a man, my son. That was going through my head. That's a Stupid little rock and roll song. How'd that end up with the word of God? To live is Christ. To walk like a man. To live is Christ. Walk like a man. To live is Christ. A helicopter landed, picked me up, they rolled me on the stretcher. The stretcher caught fire. I fell through on my head. It was just one of those days. Oh, Lord, nothing. And they got me on another stretcher, rolled up in blankets, and I've got to hurry. My time will be out here, and I know you want to go eat. <laughs> After I get through here, you may not want to eat. <laughs> it really is pretty gross. But uh, they put me on that stretcher and rolled me up in another stretcher, on, uh, rolled up in a wet blanket, got me in the helicopter. Way we go. That's when the pain hit. That's why I don't talk about pain. The pain hit after I was in the helicopter. And when it hit, it was more than I can even, uh, there's no word. I cannot utter a word to tell you. I can only tell you I screamed out, and it scared him so bad he almost jumped out of the helicopter. True story, the pilot lost control. We're dropping like a rock, and I thought, oh, Lord, we're going to crash, and I'll be the only survivor. <laughs> they got me to Saigon and did emergency surgery, put me on a big airplane hospital jet, flew me to Japan, and it was there that I asked for a mirror, which was stupid, and they brought it, which was stupid. And I looked up, and that's when I saw the broken promise. And I tried to kill myself because I didn't want her to see me. If I died, if I was certain to be dead, they would never open the casket for the monster I saw in that mirror. They would never open that casket. So I couldn't, I couldn't risk surviving. To live as Christ meant nothing now. Walk like a man meant nothing now. I just don't want her to see the broken promise. They walked away. I pulled the tube out. I had no gun or knife, so I, I pulled the tube out to kill myself. And I got hungry. I pulled the wrong tube. I did. I pulled lunch. You can die that way. But it's going to take a while. And if you smell a pizza, you're singing, plug it in, plug it in. Because really, really, really so help me, God. Somebody in this room, hear me. You don't want to die. You don't, I know it's tough. Some of you are going through the 911 of your life. You've been kicked around so long. You don't want to die. Don't pull that trigger. Don't pull that tube. Don't give up on God now. When it's darkest, it's just before dawn, and that's true. That's when it's coldest, it's just before dawn. But I'm here to tell you 
hang on just a little bit longer and walk like a man. My son, walk like a woman, young man, young woman, teenager. Suicide's no solution. You play into the hand of your enemy and you destroy those that love you. Suicide's not the answer. Jesus and his love will see you through the darkness, but you gotta call on his name. You have to speak his name in that darkness. You have to believe and the lights start to come on and hope comes back that in my hope, I shall not be ashamed. Don't let your hope be lost today. I'm here's proof. Your hope is worth whatever it takes to get it back. I lost it, tried to take my life, and the devil thought he had me down for the last time. He thought he had me, and he might near, as we say in Texas, he might near did. But my God's bigger, and my broken mind was healed that day. God gave me a new beginning. And I feel compelled to say this. My time, I'm really concerned because I feel like there's somebody that's hurting. You need to hear me. Two people are in this room that that I know, and I'm not one to do this. I don't go around hocus pocus people. I don't do that. I don't. I don't call people out. This is not my nature. There's, There's two kinds of people God's talking to right now. Some people that have lost their hope and you've thought of suicide. And the other is someone who's lost their loved one to suicide. And you're listening to a devil say, they went to hell. Hell, I say. Let me tell you something. You and the devil don't judge that. That's God's business. And I'm going to ask you a question. Now, listen to me carefully. If your leg is broken, you stand up and you fall down. Do you just cut your leg off because it's broken? Do you let it heal? Do you blame that leg? Shame on you, leg. You're broken. Shame on you. No, no, no. Why is the mind any different from the leg? If it's broken, you don't shame it. You don't call it out. You leave it with God. He knows what's right. Don't go judging people or be judged by people over this. It's time to let Jesus do what Jesus does best. He heals the brokenhearted. That's what he said he came to do. Isaiah said it, and Jesus fulfilled it. So I'm sorry about all the emotions. I'm allergic to your carpet. I really am. (laughs) It was in the other church I went to last year. It did the same thing. (laughs) Oh, aren't you glad we're in the house of God today? We're safe. We're safe here. We're safe here. And so I got to hurry. So let's move ahead to where they took me to America because they told me, they were, they were mad at me because I pulled the tube, and they said that I'd die on the airplane. So they took my last will and testament, which is one of the funniest stories in the world, but I don't have time to tell it. But taking my last will and testament, I didn't know what bequeath meant, and it sounded nasty, and I said, I'm a Christian man. I don't do that to my wife. <laughs> and from there, it went downhill. It is hilarious. But they got me to America, and I fooled them all. I lived, and they put me at Brook Army Medical Center, and I'll close with a couple of quick stories from there. First thing is, I was there for 13 months, as I meant, 14 months, 13 surgeries. I don't remember if it was number 13, but it was near the end, whenever they were giving me one of three grafts. Three grafts. When you're burned, you get first, they get all the dead skin off. That's called debridement, and it's living hell. You go insane as they rip dead skin off your body. But once they get all the dead skin, they have to do it twice a day, and as many days as it takes till all the dead skin's gone. Then they take pig skin. And they put pig skin, it's called hemograft. And you feel like a football. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody got that, but I thought it, I just thought it was pretty good. Uh, pig skin, but your body says, oh, I got skin. Then it says, oh, you fool me, that's pig skin. But you grow blood vessels toward the surface. And then before it can get to the surface, your body's already rejected it. Then they give you cadaver skin, which I've willed my body to Brook Army Medical Center. They get everything that's left of what I am. And then when they're through what's left over, they bury above my wife so I get to cover her even in death. And I get to give back to those who have given to me because I got cadaver skin. That's skin off somebody. Your body won't grow it, but your body says, oh, I got skin. And it grows the vessels all the way to the top. And then they take skin off where you were not burned and he put it where you were burned. And that's called autograft. Like autograph, 
is your signature. Autographed is your own skin. Well, I got to tell you real quick what happened when the hemograft, I mean the, the homograft, that's the cadaver skin. He was a sailor and I got his skin and my doctors and I were always playing tricks on each other. They got the last laugh. They put his skin on me, but he had a tattoo. And I love tattoos, and I see some of y'all have the coolest tattoos. I hate it when it's on a girl's leg, because then they wonder what you're looking at. But really, some cool tattoos, right? (laughs) They didn't come out right. I think I may have messed up here. (laughs) The rest of the story, and you don't even want to say bottom line, because then you really get in trouble. But here's the rest of the story. They put his ship right on my face. It was, and I was ship-faced. <laughs> now tell me if that isn't funny. Oh, I love that story. I grew up in church too, shame on me. But we laughed. And you say, Dave, why do you laugh so much? Look at me. I'm sitting because in 2010, I jumped out of a helicopter in Iraq. My feet hit the sand wrong and I sat down so hard, I shattered six vertebrae. They put in 12 screws and two rods. I'm an inch taller than I used to be, and they healed a lot of nerve damage, but the muscles have never recovered, and they cramp up when I stand too long or walk too far. It's very distracting. I'm going to tell you something. He's tried more than once on 911 on me, but I'm still here because no weapon formed against me can prosper. (laughs) Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Come on. It ain't about me, baby. It's all about you. Let's give it up for the king. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Yes. So to close, I'm taking just this extra minute for the two of the most amazing moments. When they got me to America, they landed me at at Lackland Air Force Base in a big jet. Then they put me on a helicopter. And I got pictures of all this on my phone right now. They, they put you on a helicopter and fly you over to Brook Army Medical Center, which is at Fort Sam in San Antonio. And then they put you in that water tank. Remember I told you the debridement? And then they take you to the ICU, which I didn't know what that meant until they got me there and they gave me the robe and it didn't come together. <laughs> it's the ICU. <laughs> that's when you really figure out what the Army draft <laughs> is. Oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm on a roll here. And then they take you to the ICU and they, and they let visitors come in. And a woman came to see her husband in the bed next to mine. He was burned 100% third degree. 13 of us in there, we were called Baker's Dozen. We were all to die. Nobody was supposed to live because they didn't want us dying on the main ward. It discouraged patients that had a chance to live. So we discouraged each other to death. Everybody died but me. I'm the only one that lived. And it's not because I'm good. It's not because God loved me more than them. Probably because I would have gone straight to hell for reasons I can't imagine, and he wasn't through getting me ready for eternity. And it's taken all these years later. I hope I'm ready. In fact, my election is elect, my salvation's election. Sure, I'm sure. I know where I'm going. But back to the story. They put me in this room, and they let, and this woman comes up to her husband, no skin, took off her wedding band, threw it on the bed. And she said, "You're embarrassing. I couldn't walk down the street with you." And she walked out. I started looking at all those tubes lined up there. They don't mark them, suicide tube, cheeseburger tube, coffee with cream tube. You don't know which tube to pull. And before I could even guess at it, that little teenage sweet heart wife of mine standing at the foot of my bed. God, I'm sorry. And uh, she said, Doc, this isn't my husband. And boy, I mean, it shot through me like a sword all the way through my soul. And I looked at those tubes. Oh, God, which one do I pull? And that was too late. She's standing at the head of the bed now. She looked in my eye and she said, Doc, wait. This is Dave. Somebody said the eyes are the windows of the soul. She looked in that window and saw furniture she recognized in this old burned house. She said, Doc, this is Davey. She bent down and kissed my face. And she said, I just want you to know I really love you. Welcome home. I said, I'm so sorry, Brenda. And she said, why? I said, because I can't ever look good for you. That broken promise, folks. I can't ever look good for you. And she said, Davey, you never were good looking. (laughs) Y'all are cold. (laughs) 
And now may I close with the event that took place just before that. Because that day, with those words and that woman, I healed. And for all the 50-plus years that followed, I was never, ever broken to the degree I lost my hope ever again. But before that moment, when my hope was still lost because I saw myself in the mirror, I lived to get to America, and now they put me in this debridement tank, and they're ripping the dead skin off me, and I grabbed one of the nurses by her hair, flipped her in the tank. I had her head down in the water, and I'm drowning her. I'm trying to kill her because I thought she was trying to kill me. They got her out, five others. There were six of them working on me. I got pictures of that Hubble tank. I've got pictures of that room. It's hell. Oh, it's hell. You cannot imagine what it feels like unless you've been there. When they rip it and they cut it and they fillet you. And God help me. Freedom is expensive. I can't begin to tell you. And I'm the guy that lives. What about those that gave it all? The sickening horror of watching them walk up on your porch in a full dress uniform. You know that knock on the doors and knock on the gates of hell. Oh, Lord. It's so real today. And I'm, I'm all right. I'm back under control. <laughs> I don't need hairspray when I come to y'all's church. <laughs> My hair sticks. Turns green, but it sticks. Ah. All right, I'm a little humor and I'm back. So, <laughs> they, uh, they put me on a gurney and they're pushing me down to that place we call the ICU. And on the way, the medic said, in the morning at 8.30, we're going to do this again. I said, no, you're not. You're not going to hurt me like that again. He said, yeah, we are. I said, no, you're not. He said, if we don't, you're going to die. I said, well, I don't care because you're not going to do that to me again. And how could I stop? I even actually said, the entire army is not being able to put me back in that tank. Well, that's a lot of bravado, but would they put a dead man in that tank? I did have control, didn't I? See, when you're master of your own destiny, you're really going to screw things up in a big way. I bet you never heard that before. Master of my own destiny. That's the problem. When he's master of my destiny, it's going to be all right. It's when I'm master of it, it goes wrong. Surrender your destiny. Surrender it. Give it to him. And I still had not given that up. I had no hope, and I thought, you, you're never going to hurt me like that again. Well, they got me down, and they pushed the bed together the next day at 8.30. They came to get me in that that gurney. They forgot to lock the wheels. And when they swung me over, it separated at the foot end. And I threw my elbows out because I didn't want to fall between. And my elbows are holding the head end, but my feet end are separated. And they, when they dropped me, it hit my, my feet hit the deck. It vibrated through my whole body like somebody just clubbed me with a bat. And my life took a change, big change. He was six foot seven, maybe, 350 pounds. So help me, a solid muscle, not an ounce of fat on him. Amazing. He was bald. He was black. And his name was Rosie. No, honest to God, true story. I swear to you, I, before God, I'm telling you the truth. His name was Rosie. Tattooed on his arm right there, Rosie. He could look down and say, I'm Rosie. He put an arm like a forklift under the back of my head that was about now to be released and fall through that bed and gurney <laughs> like a forklift. I'd stiffen my neck and, and he picked me up with the other hand. I was a featherweight. He literally just held me like I was nothing. And he turned and no gurney for Rosie. You know what that guy did? He carried me all the way down that long, long corridor to that room we called hell, lowered me into the Hubble tank we call the pit. He backstepped, folded his arms, leaned against the wall in the rising sun that morning through the window of the debridement room in hell, cast its golden hue against his beautiful ebony skin and tears, reflected like streams of fire splashing on those arms. His lips were moving. Rosie was praying for me. I didn't know this man. Where in the world did he come from? He's praying for me. I relaxed. They thought I died, and they quit hurting me. And from then on, play possum when it hurts. Play dead. <laughs> play dead. Literally, man, they quit messing with you right then. 
They said, Rosie, come. And then he reached down that filthy, miry mess of bloody water and he picked me up and they dried me off with terry cloth in his arms with terry cloth. He turned and again, no gurney for Rosie. And as he carried me, this is what happened. I, this is exactly word for word. I'm a limp rag over those giant forklift arms. And these are the words he said, you'll be fine, big man. You'll see. You'll be fine, big man. You'll see. You'll be fine. Well, you'll be fine. He kept saying it over and over and over. I, I Honestly, 12, 15 times maybe before he got me to death row. That's the room where everybody died. And he lowered me into an air mattress and extracted those forklift arms. He turned and faced me, and he said it one more time as I looked into the face of a man I didn't know. You'll be fine, big man. You'll see. You'll be fine. Then he did something I never let a man do. He bent down and kissed me on my forehead. <laughs> <clears throat> turned and walked away. I'm almost done just this last minute. If you fast forward 20 years, 50 years since I was injured, 30 years back. Now you got it? 20 years after this moment in the hospital, I'm speaking for the Air National Guard at Redmond Field in, in Oregon. And 20,000 people came to hear my presentation on the 4th of July. It's a great crowd. I get through and this woman walks up. She says, you're Dave? And I'm thinking she's at the back. She's identifying, well, I'm the only guy there with one eye, one ear, flying purple people leader. And I said, yes, I'm Dave. I was a speaker. She said, yeah, but Dave's your nickname. Your real name's David. I'm thinking, duh, it's not Bartholomew. You know, I'm, she's setting me up, I'm thinking. What's, what's she setting me up for? She said, but that's your middle name. Whoa, you didn't know that. She, how? I said, yes, ma'am, it is. She said, your first name is Milton. I said, yes. She said, you're Milton. David Reaver, R-O-E-V-E-R. -E I said, yes, who are you? She said, I'm the nurse you pulled into the tank 20 years ago. I actually even apologized because I didn't the day she did that. I said, oh, madam, I am so sorry. She said, don't even go. I thought it was you. I just didn't recognize you with your clothes on. <laughs> don't go to church with your nurse. That's what I recommend. We laughed, then I remembered Rosie. I said, do you remember a guy named Rosie? She said, I haven't thought of him in years. She said, his name was right on his arm. I said, that's him. Do you know what his real name was? She said, all I knew was Rosie. I said, where is he today? She said, I don't know. I said, maybe it's where he came from. Do you know where he came from? She said, I don't know. I said, when, he, when did he come to Brook Army Medical Center? She said, that I know when you did. I said, when did he leave? She said, when you left. All my friends say, the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him. Was he an angel? I don't know, but wait a minute. Angels, they can't have tattoos. <laughs> and wait, angels have to be white like me. What if he wasn't an angel on assignment? What if he was a man on a mission and he didn't care what color I was? He didn't care what branch of service I was in and he didn't care about how old or what gender I was. He cared about a guy falling through the cracks of life and he picked me up and carried me where I could not go on my own. He whispered words of encouragement. You'll be fine, big man. He kissed my forehead. He prayed for me when I couldn't pray for myself. He loved me when I hated me enough to take my life. Do you get it? I didn't come here today because I think I'm good looking. I'm miles from being good looking. They say I'm looking good, but they never say I'm good looking. <laughs> I'm not here because I'm tough. I have to sit down to talk. I'm not here because of my great academic achievements. I was in the top 10% of the lower one-third of my class. <laughs> I even majored in math and found out five out of four people don't understand fractions. <laughs> and if you didn't get that, you were in my class. <laughs> you know why I'm here today? Two things. One, I want to be a Rosie to somebody and tell you you're going to make it. 
You're gonna make, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be all right. Don't pull that trigger. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on you. And the other reason I came is to, would you be a rosy to somebody today? What is a rosy? I'm just talking about being Jesus in the flesh. We're the body of Christ on this earth. Let's hold those that are broken, heal them, love them, speak words of encouragement. I got a three-minute, 50-second video if you got time to watch it. This is where I'm a rosy. The hardest thing I've ever been asked to do for my country is not build those ranches that you're going to see in the video. It's not to suffer in Vietnam and recover. It's not, oh, no, no. Hardest thing I've ever been asked to do for my country is to fly throughout the night at 30,000 feet across the Middle East with an airplane full of fallen heroes who gave their lives in valor on the field of battle, wondering, was the next Billy Graham, is he in one of these caskets? Or that nurse that was killed in Balad, Iraq, was she the next Mother Teresa? We will never know in this life the cost of freedom. The closest I've ever come is a little bit of pain. Do we ever, ever know in this life what it costs? This little video will help answer that question in the angel flight home. Would you please show that?
There's another angel flight, and the ticket's already been bought. Amen. Amen. Are you ready to fly? Have you, have you got your ticket? The Bible says that he died once and for all. He covered all of our sin with that. And if you believe, and you believe he's the Lord, the Son of God, risen from the dead, died for our sins, raised from the dead, and his spirit is in his house. If you believe that, you can be born again. Your ticket can be punched. You've got a seat assignment on the angel flight home, and you've never seen a hero's welcome like when you get there. Are you looking forward to that day? If it frightens you or if you don't think you've got that ticket, now it's time to get it. Like our, uh, like our warriors at the session, we do the renewal of vows. Let's do a vow renewal. All of you that know Christ, you're walking in right fellowship with the Lord, you know, you know in whom you have believed. Would you renew your vows? Let's renew our vows together as though it's our first time returning to our first love. Just like we've never known him. All right? It's fun, but it's meaningful. It's rich and rewarding and remindful of what he's done for us. But here's the key. I'm not, I don't know what seeker sensitive really means in some ways, but I think if somebody's seeking Lord, I need to be sensitive. And if you're seeking the Lord, I want to make this as easy for you as I can. He did the hard part. He died for us. He's just asking us to live for him. So here's what we'll do. We'll renew our vows while you make your vows. Just pray the same prayer and believe in your heart that Christ has risen from the dead. And he died for us. He says, are you willing to do that? Let's pray this prayer. You don't have to bow your heads, close your eyes. No tradition, no religion. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ starting right here, right now at Awaken Church. Are you ready? Lord Jesus, I truly believe you are who you say you are. You're the son of the most high God. And I'm in your house. And you're in your house. And in your presence... I sense my unholiness and I sense your holiness. Forgive me of all my sins. They're many and varied, but your blood covered them all. And by faith, I declare I was a sinner, but by faith, I am born again. I am no longer a sinner. I'm a child of God. I'm risen with him, seated at the right hand with him. I'm more than a conqueror. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Christ is in me. I in him. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering in the house. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Hey, folks. Oh, come on. Just give it up for Jesus. I'm with you, folks. Give it up for the Son of God. What a morning. Oh, what a day. Tomorrow I have a huge day in Sacramento doing a, the, the most amazing Memorial Day ceremony I've ever done in my life. I've done it 15 row. It's the biggest thing I've ever done for Memorial Day. Your prayers to, as I go into that. Secondly, I want to say thank you for believing in me and having me come and receiving my little dog. He, that meant the world to me that you liked him. I think he's darling. He's touched a spot in my heart. I didn't know I didn't know he could love a dog. <laughs> and you, sir, are a great and glorious new friend in my book of friends. But you're better than that. You're my brother. I'm Dave Reaver, and I approve of this message. I'll bet you. Let him know Oh, come on. Can we give it up for Dave Reaver? I told y'all. I told y'all. Real quick, before you go, before you go, Dave will be out in the foyer signing books. So make sure, let's, let's, let's support that. Let's be generous towards that because of all the good that we got to see that, that happens because of that. If you made a decision, whether for the first time or the 10th time, to come back to Jesus, to be in relationship with him, we wanna pray for you. We wanna give you a book called The Bible and a book called Following Jesus to resource you in your new journey. So we'll have our ministry team down here to come and equip that and, and to pray for you. But one more time, why don't you lift your hands 
as we pray. Yeah, we can, we can applaud. We can applaud one more time for Dave as he heads out to the foyer. What a gift. Come on, lift your hands as I, as I pray. And then we're going to dismiss service. Father, we thank you for the gift that is Dave Reaver. Father, we thank you for his appointment tomorrow for Memorial Monday. Father, we thank you that, that your word would go out before him. Father, that there would be salvations and salvations and salvations, people returning to you because you have stamped Roman 8.28 on his life, that all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. We thank you that hope is restored today. We thank you that spirit of suicide is completely eradicated from this place in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for your life, your truth, and your ways. We honor those who gave their life for this nation. And we remember them this weekend as we go and celebrate in freedom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.